0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of QSR Uncut. I'm your host Danny Klein, the editorial director here at QSR Magazine and joined by my colleague and co-host Ben Coley, the editor of QSR. So we got a a repeat guest this time. I think everyone will be pretty excited. The last episode we did with John Taffer was one of the most uh, listened to we've ever done. So, you know, definitely happy to have you back, John. You know, thank you so much for joining us. We got a Pretty specific and exciting initiative to talk about, but we always appreciate the time. My um, pleasure, guys. It's it's always
1: enjoyable to talk to you. And and uh, since we did so well last time, I thought maybe I could sing and dance a little this episode. What do you think?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this okay. So here's a question on that front: What's um what is your go-to karaoke song?
1: Oh boy, uh, I haven't done it in a very long time, guys. Uh, I, I've actually never done karaoke. I've never done karaoke. Oh, you no. know, when you go to Japan, they have karaoke units in their cars. It's built into their radio. And oh, it's the dear. strangest thing is they're driving down the road karaokeing in their cars <laughs> as they drive. <laughs> <laughs> does,
0: uh, does the uh, like text go in front of the window or something? Or?
1: I, I don't know how they do it, but they're karaokeing away as they're driving. Oh, wow, that's
0: neat. Uh, hmm. seems dangerous. <laughs> so, so what's the answer, John? <laughs> you have the-
1: I'm not sure I have the answer. I'll say it probably would be a Beatles song or something pretty easy to
0: sing. Mm. What about you, Ben? Are you a karaoke? I
2: I have never done – I've done karaoke like, you know, not like out in one of like a bar or anything like that, but like in the comfort of my own home. But um, my my answer is like very like basic too. It would be the uh, Don't Stop Believing Journey song. Mm. Really easy
0: the classic though, I suppose yeah. for uh, for karaoke purposes.
2: Yeah. Years ago
1: there used to be a guy who had a comedy karaoke and mm-hmm. it was a promotion that he would tour around and you'd book him and he would put jokes on the screens. So they were they were pretty dirty, disgusting jokes, and of course you would have the, the the cleanest cut girl in the entire place stand up and then read that joke, and, and it was actually sort of fun.
0: That's, that's that's a good concept. Yeah, I like that. I, I recently was at a event where they had a hypnotist. Have you seen anything like that before, John?
1: I have. I actually, it is an episode of Bar Rescue where I threw a
0: hypnotist out of the
1: bar. (laughs) He was was so terrible. I literally walked up to him in the middle of the show and said, just leave, leave.
0: I wonder if it was the same guy.
1: (laughs) Years ago, I did the dating game in my bars with the three bachelorettes and the bachelor and the three bachelors and the bachelorette. And we would set them up in the bar, but we would write the questions. So it would be things like bachelorette number one, define bachelorette number two, blueberries or watermelons. And it would be, it would be silly things like that that would cause them to laugh at each other. Mm. And I was doing it for a few months. We were doing really well, and I got a letter from Chuck Barris Productions that he was going to file suit against me for using the name The Dating Game. Oh, uh, so, so we changed it to The Mating Game.
0: Mm. And uh, <laughs> it was a really successful bar thing, promotion.
1: ran for a lot of years. Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
0: That's cool. What do you what do you think of like trivia and stuff in bars now? I mean, is that is this still a place for that? I mean, is that something you recommend once in a while if they're you know kind of a disengaged type of audience going on? I mean,
1: I wouldn't do it at twelve o'clock on a Saturday night.
0: <laughs> but but
1: yeah, I think for happy hours and things like that, guys, it depends upon the bar, of course. But, you know, business happy hours, sports trivia nights. If it's a sports bar, you're going to do it happy hour before Monday night football. You could have sports trivia, get people in an hour or two earlier, give away some prizes. I think it still does have a place. But it's it's uh, 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 more selective, maybe, than where it used to be. Same thing with karaoke. You know, these things have to put it in one bar. Oh, man, it's the uncoolest thing I've ever seen. You know, put it in another bar in another market. People line up to do it. You know, that's the beauty of America. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, I think I, we've been talking a lot in kind of over the last couple of years. There's some concepts that pop up that try to do like the sports betting inside, you know, the faucet that you actually show up. Yeah. And then if you're inside the restaurant, you might get some kind of special programming or deal or, and I haven't, yeah. I haven't really seen it take off. I mean, I, I think they're probably the laws are a little bit complicated, but yeah. I find that interesting. Yeah. It'll happen,
1: but you know, between liquor laws and sports betting laws, there's a lot of things that need to get resolved before that happens, but it's mm-hmm. happening. Look, sports betting is opening up in state after state after state mm-hmm. Now I I I hear through the grapevine that a cannabis bar that allows cannabis and alcohol to be in the same environment is about to happen in Nevada. So so you know, so I think that we're going to see a lot of evolution of these kinds of things over the years.
2: Yeah, to to John's point um, about it, the sports betting increasing. North Carolina, where we are at, we're based in North Carolina. They just passed sports betting in our state, and I think it's going to. Yeah, know that. Yeah, they just did it, and it's supposed to come online, but it, it takes some time. To work out like licenses and stuff like that, so it's probably not going to become like active until like like next year, the beginning of next year. But yeah, they just passed it in the state too. So it's, it's growing. Exciting. I had the founder yeah. of uh,
1: I had the founder of DraftKings on my podcast a few weeks ago, and it's fascinating. Hmm. It's like forty six billion dollar industry
2: now. Yeah, a lot of money to be made. Mobile yeah. sports betting, just mobile yeah. sports betting. Yeah, so it, it's massive.
1: You know what's going to happen in a few years? You're going to look at a football game or whatever. There's going to be four corners on the screen. One corner you click on, you'll be able to bet in real time. Mm -hmm. the next corner is going to tell you what your running total of wins and losses are the next window is going to be your buddies you can chat with as you're watching the game so i just lost just Mm one and then the next will be some kind of a fantasy league box or whatever it's all Mm -hmm. going to get
0: integrated at some point Mm -hmm. yeah that uh the cannabis alcohol bar sounds um like i could i feel like the cannabis bar itself could be a separate thing you start mixing those you might have some uh You have to have bartenders who are pretty uh, cognizant of the shape of the customers in there. (laughs) You certainly don't want to put sofas behind the bar. That's for sure. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, you get someone. Someone's going to come in and spend seven hours at your table and order one thing. (laughs) It's going to happen, guys. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. 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 That's an exciting industry to be in for that reason. It's always moving, but um, but yeah, let's get into this. so this was something that, you know, kind of came to the forefront here in Chicago recently, but the uh, SkyTab Rescue Mission Contest with Shift4. So, John, I, I guess just first, maybe if you want to give us maybe a tiny bit of background on it, you know, your role and partnership in it, you know, I, I will definitely want to know, you know, what a consulting video call with John Taffer entails. I think that's a interesting point. But yeah, just share with us a little bit about, you know, the program and sure. kind of its aim.
1: You know, rescue mission is sort of fun. Jared Isaacman, who's the CEO of, of SkyTab Shift 4, is a dear friend of mine. We're buddies. And he is also the pilot for SpaceX, right? He, he flew the first commercial flight, Jared. He's a, he is the commander of the SpaceX, the last SpaceX mission, Inspiration. And, and I got to vote for the entrepreneur seat on that flight. And Jared and I are very, very close. So rescue is a hats off to me. Mission is a hats off to him. And so we put together a rescue mission uh, uh, and, you know, today, Shift4 and SkyTab, the software packages are incredible, guys. And you know how, how many independent restaurants don't do their bookkeeping like they should. They don't manage their costs like they should. And uh, uh, they lose money at the end of the month because of it. So we're on a mission to rescue these few bars but teach all these other bars and restaurants that when you use these simple systems, you can protect your profits. So we're picking two winning restaurants. They get a check for twenty grand to spend any way they like in their business. They get a complete SkyTab POS system, guys, front of the house, back of the house, kitchen systems, handheld units, all of that. And then I will consult with them, and it's more than just one call. I'll give them a second or third call. I want to look at their numbers, understand their P&L, understand their facility, understand their menu. So I might work on menu engineering with them. I might work on understanding, teaching them how to forecast better. I might work on frequency programs with them, new customer programs with them, check-building programs with them. So I'm going to focus on, on the blocks that are necessary to focus upon to get their business to that next level. Uh, so I'm really committed to having this be a successful mission uh, uh, as well as a successful rescue. So that's how this started. I'm pretty darn excited about it. I do do phone consulting over the years, over my 40 years. We have done that type of work, and it's very successful. So I need to understand your situation. I need to understand your equipment, your plant, your people, what's going on in the business. Sometimes I might want to talk to one of your employees without you on a call. Uh, uh, Little things like that just to get my intelligence in order. And then we can work on menu engineering, positioning, new menu items, adjusting recipes, uh, working on labor models, working on promotions, marketing, frequency, all those kinds of things. So it can be very impactful.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, personally, I'm really interested, you know, when you make those phone calls, what's kind of the first question you ask somebody, I, I, you know, we've all seen the show and how you go in there and you get to see it. But I've talked to a lot of restaurants um, over the years and operators and, you know, I, I don't know that they always see their faults, right? <laughs> yeah. So so how do you uncover that, um, you know, just to kind of figure out where you can help them most from talking to them like that?
1: Yeah, this is 40 years of consulting talking, guys, so I've dealt with a lot of egos over my years that I've had to crack yeah. through
0: long before I was on
1: television. So, you know, I always find that almost every restaurant that is struggling doesn't have revenue, period. If they had revenue, they wouldn't have called me. Any restaurant that has expense problems, I suggest to you they don't have expense problems. They only have revenue problems. If you raised your revenue by 30%, suddenly the rent wouldn't be so expensive anymore. Suddenly your marketing expense wouldn't be high anymore. So revenue changes everything. So the first thing I look at, top line, is revenue. What are our revenue numbers? What are our revenue patterns? What are our revenue trends? I'll typically start as a consultant by saying, look, you did X amount, I'll be around. You did a million dollars last year in sales. This year you're doing a half a million dollars in sales. What are your customers telling you, George? (laughs) So, So, you know, there's ways to crack through, but I always start with revenue and work my way down. The fact is, if a place has great revenue, they typically don't need us.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, yeah, Mike, obviously, you know, there's going to be, you know, several, several restaurants that are going to be applying for these grants. Um, but, you know, from your perspective, tell me um, kind of the characteristics of the ideal restaurant who, um, who you know, you feel like, you know, restaurants operators are listening to this podcast and are saying, hmm, should I apply for this grant or or what? Like kind of tell me, you know, some of the, the characteristics, some of the the things that you're going to be guys to be looking for in this application process. That okay, we want to give the grants these type of restaurants.
1: Yeah, it's there's no type of restaurant that we're we're looking uh, uh, to to address. It really is going to be sort of a draw of the hat, if you will, to just mm-hmm. pull some out. So mm-hmm. it's 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 really an effort to to help them and have the industry see how easy it was for them to turn their businesses around. If they made a small investment in technology, change one or two things, that we could make a massive change in their business. You know, guys, what I find is businesses are easy to fix. People aren't easy to fix. And everybody says to me, John, define the best restaurant manager or define the best restaurant owner. And I've thought about it a lot. And I've come up with one word that describes a great restaurant owner or a great restaurant manager. And that word is eager. Mm -hmm. He's eager. He's eager to learn. He's He's eager to do his numbers and make sure he's successful. He's eager to train his employees. He's eager to shake every customer's hand. He's eager. (laughs) So, you know, give me somebody who's eager and lacks knowledge. I'll show you a winner in no time. Uh If they're not eager, that's where the challenge lies. So this is a person who's invested, you know, in bar rescue. Think of what I walk into, guys. A guy's in debt $400,000, blew his parents' retirement. He's living in their basement. He has no money for his kids. His wife's ready to leave him. He's dead broke. He's (laughs) lost his car. He's driving his mother's car to work every day. I mean, these are unbelievable situations. And this guy won't close because as long as he's open, he hasn't failed yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like the stock market so he's gonna so so he's gonna wipe out his parents guys rather than close that place and admit to his own failure so Mm -hmm. i walk into these disastrous situations like that and as a consultant when you walk into those situations you have to be direct you have to be ugly Mm -hmm. and uh if i can't change them if i can't make them doubt themselves i can't change anything look at Mm Poor rescue guys i can build some of these people to taj mahal and they would screw it up right
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know our um you've seen that on uh you know restaurant Impossible and some of these other shows over the sure. years they leave them in great shape and then doesn't mean they're going to succeed you know robert uh,
1: irvine is a dear friend of mine i don't know if you guys know we did that show together uh uh
0: yep. restaurant rivals mm-hmm. which is
1: still available on discovery now max where they gave <laughs> us each a restaurant across the street from each other we had 24 hours to to Redo the menu, the restaurant, everything. And then 30 guests would go to his restaurant and go to my restaurant, one after the other, and they would rate us on food quality, presentation, beverage, service, and environment. Mm-hmm. And then we would get scores, and Robert and I were competing with each other to win. So we would go look at each of the two restaurants. We'd flip a coin. Whoever won the coin class, we'd get to pick which restaurant they won. Then we go do the, uh, the program. So, so uh, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a really fun show to watch, Robert and I competing against each other. But uh, in every case, it always comes down to the people, guys. It always comes down to the people. And you know, eager management finds eager staffs. Uh, uh, you never see a dynamic restaurant run by an undynamic person. You
2: know, John, I wanted to ask you about um, technology and you know, a relevant topic for this, uh, this mission that you guys are on. You know, um, you know, something that Danny and I were talking about uh, beforehand is that you know, of course, restaurant industry has been you known to be one slow to the technology game, and then there's a lot of you know people who have been in the industry a long time who kind of you know scoff at the idea of these kind of forward modernistic ideas. But you know, you are, are you know very much different in that you know you have you know decades of experience. You've been in the industry for for a long, long time, but you also at the same time understand you know what needs to be done to carry the the, the industry forward, and that. You know, technology is needed and yep. to um, to to streamline things and everything. So, so, let me kind of speak to you know the the importance of technology in restaurants and and why it's so important to you know to carry these these brands forward.
1: You know, I think a couple of things. One, we have human resource issues now. We're ha- we're struggling to find people. So the days of six and seven people in a casual dining kitchen are over. It's mm-hmm. just not going to happen anymore. You know, the other problem is not only can't we find people, but in many cases, the people that we do find are new Americans. So there's language challenges and training challenges. So turnover is a big issue today. When we lose somebody, it doesn't mean we're going to find somebody to replace them. So at the NRA show a couple weeks ago, about five years ago, there might have been 10 robotic boots. This year, there were over 200 robotic boots. There's technology that does everything for you. It'll it'll almost slice your steak for you and put it in your mouth. It's getting to that point. (laughs) But, But... You know, from ordering technology that interfaces to to the puck unit where you open the door and your food is outside the restaurant, which we have in Taffer's Tavern, to all of these incredible technologies. And they're all great. And when I created Taffer's Tavern, and this is worth telling the story quickly. You know, five years ago, I worked on Taffer's Tavern. Trump was president. Unemployment was very low. Five years later, (coughs) Biden is president. Unemployment is very low. I couldn't find employees then. I can't find employees now. If you talk to the National Restaurant Association, they'll tell you it's a 25-year-old issue, finding people in our industry. It's never been flush with a candidate's job cancer. Candidate. So if I can't find the people, then I have to go at this a different way. So we said, let's start with a blank blackboard. Let's redesign the kitchen completely for today. So we took a look at the back of the house. There's no traditional stove in Taffer's Tavern. Uh, there's uh, every kind of oven and cooking device you can imagine other than a traditional stove. We do all sous vide cooking. Everything is sealed, cooked in sous vide. So it's unbelievably consistent, the presentation. So it is technology covered in the back of the house in every way. Step to the front of the house, the technology disappears. And that's the point of topic for me to understand is when these companies start putting ordering kiosks in. So I order on my phone I order in a kiosk. I walk up to a window facelessly. I swipe my card. My number is dropped on a counter. I pick up my food and I leave. I'm going to say that that brand, whatever it is, just became institutional dining. Institutional dining. The human connectivity is gone. The connectivity of brand is gone. The ability of good service. Now it's, do you connect with the kiosk? So it's utilitarian feeding. And I wonder, how many brands are going to survive when we lose human connectivity and all of us are focused on institutional feeding approaches, which uh-huh. when you move technology to the front of the house, that's what you got. So that worries me. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I like companies that infuse technology, but not between the transaction, not uh-huh. between the initial brand connectivity. So. I am as, as modern as you get, guys, with the back of the house. But I am very resistant of a lot of front-of-the-house technologies. And Taffer's Tavern, sure, we have QSR codes. You can do that menu if you want on your phone. But, guys, I can't steer you when you're looking at a menu on a tiny phone.
2: Yeah.
1: No. You know, with a full-size menu, I have menu engineering principles. I know your eyes are going to land. I can box. I can shadow. I can move things around. I can merchandise to you. On a phone, I can't. So I use real menus. You want to use a QSR code? God bless you. You can use your QSR code. We're set up for it. But I want paper menus. I want people looking at each other and talking to each other while they're looking at their menus at the same time. I want a connective experience. I want my brand to be alive. I don't want it to be digital. So I think that's the challenge that we're going to have as an industry. And I think we're going to find some brands are going to step into this a little too quickly. And the brands that maintain connectivity... I think are the ones that are going to be prostrated for more long-term success. That's my view.
0: Yeah, you know, interestingly on that note, you know, at the show, one of my favorite robotics companies I've seen over there over many years, They, one thing I noticed this year is they switched from kind of showcasing a robot that serves the table to one that buses the table. That was their new product, right? You know, so they went from the one that, brought the food to the table, you know, son, happy birthday to you. And now it's just one that the servers put the plates on the dishes and they take it away. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty vivid, you know, representation of sort of, they probably recognize the things that you're saying is that a lot of the brands who were using that server robot, um, you know, we're losing some of that human touch that, you know, justifies why people pay more to go out to eat, I think. And, You know, now they're going to the buster side because that's kind of sort of back of the house ish, you know, even though it's in the front. But by then they have already left the table. Right. So
1: I was at the Westin in San Francisco and I ordered some in-room dining. So I ordered myself my dinner. And and so when I called room service, a human being answered the phone. They were very courteous, very nice. I was given a nice experience on the phone when I ordered my food. And then 45 minutes later, there's the, uh, the phone rings and it says your room service is at your door
2: okay
1: maybe my do not disturb was on the door so maybe they call sometimes so i open up the door and there's a robot outside my door he's about four foot tall he's got a little bow tie and a collar on him and he says hello to me his head his hat opens and inside is is the food i take the food i put it on my table i go back to him he asks me how my stay is would i give it one or five stays it asked me if I need anything else It would connect to room service right there through his microphone if I needed to add anything or anything to my order so I didn't go back to my phone. And then he uh, 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 said, thank you. His top closed. And he went down the hallway and I stuck my head out the door. And there he goes down the hallway. When I left the hotel to check out, one of them was riding up the elevator with me going to another room. Now. In that case, I world. still had the hotel experience, guys. I still called. They, they they took care of me. They made sure my food was cooked as it should be. Blah blah blah. There was a follow up mechanism. That sort of worked for me. But if oh, I picked yeah. up the phone and said, digitally put in your menu, steak medium rare, you know, that's where we lose that connectivity. So. Oh. I'm with you, Danny. I think there's a place for these kinds of things and I think we can manage brands uh, and manage technology and find that mix. I don't I don't, I think some brands are overstepping it.
0: Did you um did you catch that AI bartender at the show by chance? I think Ben went to look at that, right?
2: I might have. I'm not sure. What which one which company was uh doing the AI bartender?
0: I, I don't remember the com- what the name of the company was, but it was it always had a big line over there in the bar section where you would you would basically walk up to it and you know, it'd speak to it, it'd speak back to you and then make drinks. Oh, no, I didn't know. see that one. No.
1: Yeah, we're working with a product that has fifty-six tubes in it. And it's a complete automated bartender and the system that we're working on is very, very powerful. Let's say Danny, you go into the restaurant, you open up the app, you say, I want a drink. I want ounce of vodka, ounce of this, two, this, two, this, two, this. And it says, is this the drink you want? Name it. Danny's cocktail. I name it. I push a button. The computer makes me that drink flawlessly. It's brought to my table. A friend comes in the next week, says, I want Danny's cocktail. Opens up the app, goes to Danny's cocktail, pushes a button, and they can get that drink. It's now in the system. Oh. So, so we're working on these robotic bartending systems that, that are, are interactive and a lot more fun. So that people can really play with them at a different level, you know. That's I think that's where we're going. But in this system, the there is still a bartender who puts the garnish on the cocktail, serves the cocktail, and presents it. So there's still a connectivity element. We just uh, uh, have the ingredients being mixed by a robotic system that that assures they're perfect.
0: Yeah, that was kind of my feeling about the the one I saw at the show. Was that you know, I, I to your point, I, I think. Who makes the drink? Yeah, yes, whatever. But I think a lot of us still want to talk to the bartender. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here's
1: my point. You know, we point. want to
0: complain. You know? If I have
1: a robotic system that knows 800 drinks at the push of a button and drops that cocktail and all she or he has to do is garnish it and connect with it, I can really hire for personality then, can I? hmm Cause I don't need all this mixology depth and all of that. So it it allows me through that back of the house technology. And this is just like Taffer's Tavern through the back of the house technology It allows me to hire a more dynamic individual, a more connective individual because product knowledge is as part of, as, as part of the job description as it was. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention
0: portion control too, not as sexy, but the, uh, it's the bartender is pouring more drinks than they're supposed to or more liquor yeah. than they're supposed to is a, That's a uh, story as old as time, right? Yeah, look, the ask- sky tab.
1: look at the SkyTab. We order at the table, right? You, you, you swipe the credit card at the table. There's no more credit cards behind the bar of lost credit cards, left behind credit cards. All the transactions are tracked perfectly. The server's not going back and forth to order, to add things, et cetera. Saves a lot of time. The server can almost stay in their station. And do nothing but serve tables, and the food can come out when it comes up. So we have that. Then you have a good front office system, right, in that SkyTab system, a back office system, payroll modules. If an operator just takes the time to set that stuff up and then just let it go, (laughs) It's unbelievable how many more points of profitability is found. That's the technology that excites me, guys, is the back of the house, the financial technologies, the food inventory technologies, all Mm -hmm. the things that protect profits for the independent operator. That's why I'm so excited about Rescue Mission, because I get to implement all of that for these operators and and, uh, show an example for the industry of how powerful it can be when we do do it.
2: Hmm. Daniel, I was going to ask, that AI bartender that you saw at the show, when it comes to like, uh, you know, checking for IDs and stuff like that, is that is a robot doing that or is it still a person doing that? Yeah,
0: I have no idea.
2: Cause, cause okay. that, I'm beyond
0: that point in my life. Okay. okay. Tell us about the, the liability issue there.
1: Properties. We use a, a, a little gun kind of unit that you just scan on the license and it turns red or green. It tells you if it's good or not. Okay. And I'll tell you a funny story. My door people always had to say the, the person's first name. So, Danny, if you came to one of my nightclubs, they would look at your license and they would say, thank you, Danny, have a good time. So like guy's the guy's coming through with his wife, right? <laughs> Danny's coming through with his yeah. wife. The doorman looks at him and says, thank you, Danny, have a good time. His
0: wife goes, you told me you've never been here before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they got a
1: huge fight going on between
0: the two. Yeah. yeah, even so they'll do that a lot when they check your license, like at security, you know, at the airport. And it still, for some reason, makes me feel like I'm an imposter and I'm not Danny. <laughs> like they'll say yeah. it, and I like freeze for a minute because I'm like, and they'll <laughs> say, you know, what's your birthday or some kind of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, I've had that too. Yeah, ask your birthday, but yeah, yeah um. it's like, uh, you know, you guys, I think <laughs>
1: I think we're probably one of the most pivotal times of our industry in the next year. I believe this. I believe the customer counts are going to erode in the next year to some degree. Mm. I believe the human resource problem is not going to get easier. I don't believe that costs are going to go down to pre-inflation levels. That just doesn't happen, guys. They're going to stay where they are. They're going to go up, right? That's what's going to happen. So, you know, we're dealing with rising labor costs for sure. We're dealing with all sorts of insurance fees that are going up, all related industries that are going up, freaking utilities are going up in some markets 30%, 40 50%. So we are a challenged industry this next year. And those of us that adapt are the ones that are going to be successful And The only way to manage all these things is through technology. We can manage energy better through technology. We can manage food costs better through technology, human resources better through technology. So I believe that the restaurateurs who get that and understand that if I put those systems in place now so I can better track and manage my business, this next year I'll be more nimble. I'll have more information. I'll be able to react react to trends and situations better. I Mm. think that those are the ones that are going to win. I'm concerned. That with the type of shifts that we've been through the past three years and what we might be going through the next two years, that we're we're going to lose more independence for silly reasons that could have been prevented.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think one of the most valuable things about this partnership is that <coughs> tab system. Um, just because so so many mom and pops they just don't start with that, you know. And if they're trying to play, you know, kind of in reverse at this point and sift through sort of all the stuff that's going on there it's hard um yeah. you know and I, I think that's why you know there there's a lot of consolidation happening you know kind of in that fast food space you know with some of those smaller brands are trying to look for the scalability benefits of a you know leveraged system it's mm-hmm. hard for independence right now it is maybe yeah. more than it's ever been you know yeah it's a cycle we're on right now
1: And look, there's some franchise groups that are struggling as well. Corporate discount programs that franchisees don't necessarily make the money on that they'd like to. And, you know, look, when, when revenues are challenged, stresses, levels rise for everyone. And right now revenues aren't challenged. Expenses are challenged. I'm concerned that revenues get challenged in the next year. That's what worries me. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. A lot of franchisees now are buying other franchisees, which I had not seen before the last two years, at least not on this uh, level and, you know that I think that goes to show you some. Some are able to figure this out, and just some are not. Yeah. Um, you know, but to your point, everyone's top line is pretty healthy. So, what happens if that gets a little bit pressured? Yeah.
1: So, so with with a healthy top line, we're almost getting used to the higher expense levels.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're yeah.
1: surviving these high expense levels because our revenues are high. I worry when or if the revenues decline, the expense levels are not going to, mm-hmm. and it could have a profound impact. So I worry about these things. That's why I think systems like SkyTab are so important. Good front office systems, good back office systems. You know, it's interesting, guys. As a consultant, I, I, I work with, let's say, an independent. And I put these systems in. And now I'm sitting with the owner. And I'm showing you a, a revenue report or a labor report or a little P&L. And l and they like, wow, this, I push one button. And I get, and for weeks, they're pushing cool. every button. They're reading every. They realize this is unbelievable. hmm uh-huh. They didn't do it for all these years,
0: right? So, yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying.
1: I want people to see how great it is when you do these things.
0: Yeah. Well, they have reporting now. You know, they the idea of operating off your gut um, that been going on for eighty years, and it worked for some people, but you know, to talking about the egos before <laughs> yeah. it only it only fake worked for others. You know, but but now but now you don't have to actually live on that if you. You know, get something like this in there, you'll actually get to see what your consumer is saying without trying to, you know, guess it. But mm-hmm.
2: John, I wanted to ask, um, what you know, when we talk about, you know, back of house the technology. Uh, what your thoughts are on the drive-through AI and whether you felt like that was a disconnect with, or that was a proper way to, you know, use robotic um, help, or you feel like that would that's that disconnect with the human connection or you feel like that's a a good place to kind of insert it
1: you know do you like it when voicemail is automated and it's not a human who says go what extension would you like like i do not
2: no it's incredibly
1: frustrating you think a restaurant's going to be any different yeah that's a good point (laughs) i mean honestly guys the minute we understand that we're dealing with a machine instead of a human all of our attitudes change so you know we're back to that whole brand representation thing and brand connectivity thing and you know AI is going to be pretty incredible. It's going to hear the inflections in your voice. it'll laugh when you laugh, it won't laugh when you don't laugh and it'll be pretty incredible. I just don't think we're at the point of, of acceptability yet. you know remember when Amazon started everybody said, oh nobody's gonna buy this stuff online. You know, uh-huh. nobody's gonna buy, buy. we were wrong. this will happen. It's just going to take a little more time I think for for the marketplace to to accept it.
0: Are you uh, are you familiar, John, with a Pal Sudden Service? No. So they're like a regional quick serve out in Tennessee and some other places, but I mean they've been around forever, and they they not they've had the drive through, their drive through <coughs> only locations, but they don't even have menu boards. You have to order at the window with a person, and they've been that way for you know literally ever, and have no interest in changing at all, and they're massively successful. And I've always found that to be a really interesting thing for people to kind of look at and say, they're not even letting you talk to a speaker box. No technology, it works.
1: A concept like that can do those things because of its history. Right. Because of its brand. There's a lobster place in New England. You go there, you get a three and a half pound lobster and they serve it to you on a paper plate. (laughs) <laughs> with plastic <laughs> silverware no other place can t- charge you a hundred dollars for a lobster on a paper it's their brand i suggest right. to you that if that concept opened today like that without the history of the brand without the expectation of that i don't think it would succeed
0: yeah, Their history true. is driving
1: their very success true. is my guess
0: especially also where they're located too um they they just have the awareness of that that being who they are, so they can't they're not gonna really shift off of it yeah it's history yeah, yeah, it is um well, you know, I think uh I think we've covered a lot of topics as always, John, but I just want to get your take um kind of talked a little bit about this and sort of your concerns for the industry moving forward, but I guess if you're gonna be on the right side of uh history here. You know, and you're listening to this. I mean, what advice would you give to somebody who, you know, is going to see all these challenges ahead and is actually going to, you know, not be one of the people that gets washed over by them?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that in today's world is a very different world. If you're too aggressive, you fail. People don't like it. So, so today we build relationships in a softer way than we used to. It's a different type of marketing environment today. But, you know, today we do build brands. And there's something out there today that I didn't have to deal with 20 years ago when I was operating all my restaurants. And that is instant accountability. If I screw up, it's it's online instantly. You know, if that steak is burnt, it's online instantly with a photograph of it. So, you know, there's direct accountability today. I would say this. I would say those of us, we need to simplify what we do in many ways. Many menus should probably drop 20% of what they're doing, reduce menu size. Reduce inventory size, reduce training depth, all of those kinds of things. I think we need to do less, but we need to be better at it. I agree. Look at Five Guys, burgers, fries. Look at the it's brand okay. they built with the smallest menu in the industry. So, so I mean, yeah. do what you do really, really well. Don't do everything. And I think the economics of our industry are preventing those kind of Cheesecake Factory 40-page menus from sustainability long-term. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing even companies like them, I'm guessing that 40-page menu is going to become a 30-page menu at some point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they, they've uh, they've dug their heels too deep on that one. That's yep. <laughs> like why 30, I'm not reducing it anymore. <laughs>
1: but, I mean, think of the inventory, think of the cost structure, think of the depth yeah. of training and how many of those items just, you know, rarely sell. So So I think this is, we need to be smart. And we need to be customer focused.
0: Yeah, they are they are a unicorn um, for sure. You know, and I the know last thing that. I would
1: say is remember, a brand isn't what we are, a brand is what we do. Mm-hmm. Brands are what we do every day. So that's how brands are made, by doing it right every day. You don't create brands, you build brands. Hmm. You
0: create logos. That's, that is true. All right, John, well, you know, thank you so much. I mean, is there anything that you'd like to share with everybody before we uh, before we let you run here?
1: No, other than uh, subscribe to the John Taffer podcast. And, and did I tell you the story of this real fun? Can I tell you the story of this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. So this is my Taffer brown butter bourbon. It's in Boston and Vegas. It'll be going national next year. I was in a kitchen, and my chef was making some brown butter for something. And I said, give me that brown butter. And I took it, and I poured it in a sous vide bag. And then I poured a bunch of whiskey in a sous vide bag. And then I put it in a water oven, boiled it for a while, took it out, put it in a walk-in, skimmed the butter off the top, poured it through a coffee filter, and I had browned butter bourbon. And it was unfreaking believable. So so we put it in our cocktail called the Campfire in Taffer's Tavern. We start selling a 1,000 a month of this cocktail. Biggest Whoa. numbers I've ever seen. So then we went to the flavor houses and worked on it and created Taffer's Brown Butter Bourbon. I'm really proud of it
0: very oh, cool very product nice. very cool when is um so that, that's going to retail or are you going to be able it's to a, buy it's that? in
1: matter of fact we have our thousandth point of distribution uh, today it's in uh, a it's in the las vegas market and the boston market now for rollout mm-hmm. and it goes mm-hmm. national from there but it's in 500 liquor stores in boston like 500 liquor stores in vegas so anybody knows markets can easily find
0: it yeah i'll be very interested in trying it i mean I kind of got into bourbon about three years ago, I guess when I wasn't allowed to leave my house, but you know, it's, it's such an interesting community. You know, people are so, uh, opinionated, (laughs) Uh, you know, about how long something is, you know, distilled versus, you know, whatever crazy thing. It's just like drink bourbon the way you want to drink bourbon. If you like it, you like it. Yeah, exactly. It's like whiskey, how you whiskey, let's not get crazy. So i definitely be interested guys. to try it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, John. And, you know, for everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate it. And we'll see you next